Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, universe. Uh, this is Dr. Lawrence Simon, Larry Simon, and this is the stories we live by. Uh, and an on again, off again show on Blog Talk Radio. Um, lately, it's been more off than on because, quite frankly, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over again. And like uh, much of my life, uh, it's a feeling of being in a rut. Uh, but I thought about uh, uh, the show I did last time on, on reality, and I thought I should continue that discussion. And anybody who wants can join in uh, if anybody is there. Uh, interesting, when I now turn on my uh, uh, computer and I come to my site, it, uh, it says, Tweeter this. Now, I signed up with Tweeter. So I pressed that little icon that said Tweeter this, and I then signed on to my Tweeter page. And it gives an instruction. I don't know where that's going to go. Talk about reality. I have no idea how to use this Tweeter or Twitter. And um, so I'm going to have to find out about that. Uh, it's a piece of reality that I really know nothing about because the technology is way ahead of where my head is. In any event, I wanted to talk about um, uh, the consequences of not accepting what we know to be true, or what we believe to be true. And as the last time, I talked about the idea that truth is a very hard thing to come by. You can establish certain facts, and facts are established by uh, a sense impression, something that you experience directly through your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, which then gets corroborated. The experience gets corroborated by other people. Uh, and that establishes a fact. Certainly, if there's no one around, what we experience becomes our own personal fact. Uh, but these are more easily disputed by other people uh, who don't want to accept the facts that make up our life story will go into changing our life story. And then there is the whole issue of psychological defenses in which we try to deny uh, things that might be unpleasant that we otherwise experience to be true. So that, uh, let me give you some examples from uh, people I've worked with, maybe even, for, I'll give you one from my own life that I've been struggling with. Uh, I've said this before, and I keep saying it uh, to many people. I think I'm boring the hell out of people. I think I'm boring the hell out of myself with this. Uh, my knees have gone. I have some serious problems with my knees, serious arthritis. Um, and I had a second surgery eight weeks ago today, and this knee is now bothering me. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it is bothering me. And it has come to my belief something I believe to be true, that these knees will never really be the same as they were. And I'm going to have to make what the doctors cavalierly call lifestyle changes. And I've been having a hell of a time accepting this. For over a year, I took uh, chondroitin and glucosamine, which did squat. I then took another preparation that added MSM, which says it's going to do even better than with the glucosamine and the chondroitin, and it got me sick as hell. Uh, but in any event, uh, I've stopped taking it, and it makes no real difference. 
the factual studies, the scientific studies, not not what the, the endorsements by individuals who believe it's helped them, and maybe it has, uh, or the uh, advertising, because so much of what you read in terms of endorsements or here are people who are being paid or have something to gain by telling you uh, that this or that product or this or that is magically uh, healing and helping. Uh, the new studies, double-blind studies, where people take the chondroitin or the MSM or whatever and then take, others take a placebo and they try to match the severity of the arthritis or the pain that uh, is being ameliorated, supposedly being ameliorated. And what you end up with uh, in these studies is that uh, most of these, these uh, uh, preparations are, are false. I mean, salt palmetto uh, doesn't really help the prostate, and vitamin E doesn't prevent heart attacks. Um, people want to believe these things, and it's so easy to understand why we want to believe it. But our senses tell us nothing is really happening. There is, of course, the powerful placebo effect in which uh, we do marshal our defenses uh, because we believe something helps. And we all feel better. We may even be uh, cured of something uh, by bodily processes that we don't fully understand that I do accept is potentially real. However, it's not the product that's doing it. It's the belief. It's the mobilization of our defenses. It's the mobilization of our immune system that often has this effect. But in the end, uh, peach pits like Laetrile was a compound some years ago that swore to control cancer, uh, controlled nothing. And the people who took it may have felt better in the short run because they believed they were helping themselves. And certainly I would never poo-poo that. That's an important kind of a thing. But in the end, they died. Um, just the same of their cancer if they were to die. And many of them uh, died more quickly because they turned away from uh, the traditional, the, the, the more mainstream medical uh, uh, systems of, of uh, treatment uh, for this uh, magical treatment. And it was magic and, and, and so easy for us to hold on to and believe in magic. And these individuals, in the end, uh, the reality of the, the illness uh, overcame uh, all else, <clears throat> and they perished. Uh, again, I'm making no judgment about whether we should do this or don't do this. We do it. We do it all the time. The problem is we do pay a tremendous price. If we deny something that is real, or we experience something as real, and deny our experience. For example, let me give you some, some, some clear examples other than the one I've just given you about my poor knees. Um, somebody who, uh, over the years I knew, uh, was in a marriage that was, to everybody's view, uh, not a good marriage. And yet uh, there was a fear, at least on the part of one of these members, uh, that uh, he was loved and loved in this marriage. And uh, it became too terrifying for a long period of time to uh, accept the fact that uh, he or she was not really loved, nor did this individual love the partner. So there was a pretense that was going on, a very powerful, powerful pretense. It brought children into the world where there was this pretense. And um, in the end, the marriage broke 
and uh, a marriage that should never have taken place because the pain it caused everybody, uh, including uh, and especially the children involved, uh, would never have uh, had to take place and never had to be born if there had been a, a more honest recognition of the nature of that relationship and the stories uh, that it was the stories being created in this in this relationship by the joint stories and the individual stories that were being lived out. Um, over the years, I knew individuals who were attracted homosexually. And uh, it's clear to understand, especially in the past when I was much younger, uh, to be called homosexual, uh, to come out of the closet. You risk the loss of career. You risk uh, ridicule. You could risk the loss of your life. And so there would be tremendous amount of denial. But it's one thing to hide and, and, and manifest the energy to hide from the rest of the world something you privately accept as true. But that's an enormous amount of energy, by the way, constantly lying and hiding. Um, but it's, it's, it's even worse for an individual to uh, lie to themselves and try to really convince themselves that they're heterosexual, uh, that they like the opposite sex, when in fact this is nothing uh, but a lie that they're telling themselves. Um, in relation to this or any other story that is not real or doesn't contain what the individual experiences to be true. And ultimately, we do fall back on what we believe to be true. And ultimately, and I believe this after 40 years of being a psychologist and, and 68 years of being me, you can lie to yourself all you like and you can manage to believe the lie in some ways all that you like, but in the final analysis, deep down, you know that you're lying. Now, I can't prove that, but I do accept that. I accept that as a fact. I accept that as a truth. I accept that as a reality. And so hiding yourself from the world to avoid um, serious consequences, understandable, but it makes life and it turns it into a performance. It's something that doesn't feel real. And when we turn this on ourselves, when our fear convinces us, or our guilt convinces us, or our shame convinces us uh, that uh, we don't feel as we do, that we're not excited uh, by the things that do excite us, that we don't despise or loathe the people or the things that we despise or loathe, um, well, then, then we, we are putting on a performance even for ourselves. And the energy that this takes is absolutely enormous. And the result is a life that's lived as it feels unreal. Now, I don't know, listener, do you ever feel that you're living a performance? Uh, how many people have a job that they hate, they despise, they need the money, they need the, li the health insurance, the life insurance. They need the benefits. Uh, clear and understand why we live in a job or work in a job we don't like. But to act daily as if we do like it. And in a corporation or in many places, you have to act that way. Uh, in many ways, uh, there were times when I was a teacher 
when I was teaching, I didn't want to teach. And I did it because I wasn't giving up my career. Um, and students knew when I was putting on a performance. Uh, much of the time when I was in a classroom, I loved being there. I found it exciting. I found it uh, innovating. I found it uh, something genuine to live by. And when I did that, students knew it too. Uh, when you teach something and you love what you're teaching, it's a root part of you. It comes from a part of yourself that feels genuine and real and honest. Um, the people who see it know it. Uh, you know when someone's faking. You know when someone. And you may not want to know it, but ultimately uh, that message too uh, takes energy to hide. That uh, we're, 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 we're faking sex. We're faking the things we love. Uh, we are gutting through another day doing things uh, that are meaningless to us, uh, things that uh, have no uh, essential core value for us. And so uh, we have, uh, I think, a lot of people walking around uh, on a job uh, acting as if year after year there's a performance uh, that they, takes all of their energy and when they get home, they open a bottle or they take their pills and their drugs and they try to deaden the lies that are uh, so much uh, a part of their actual experience. Uh, on some level, they know they're lying, and on some level, they know that they don't like their job or their mate or, or the, the sex life that they're having or whatever it happens to be. And so what we have... Uh, is a, a failure to have peace. Okay. And I'm convinced that there are worse things than accepting um, uh, uh, punishment or accepting guilt or shame. Maybe even death. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure I've been confronted with that. But to live a lie, to spend all our energy putting on a performance and then trying to convince ourselves that the performance is a real performance to us. It's not performance, it's genuine. Uh, it, it's, it's a powerful and painful. And somebody's trying to get through to me, and I'll have to call them back a little later. Uh, but um, um, uh, my show comes first. So... How do you know you're living a lie? How do you know? Well, I think if you look in the mirror, you can tell when you're putting on a performance. You can tell when you're kissing somebody's ass for something you get. I think you know, we all know, when we're giving a compliment that uh, buys somebody off or is a bribe or is a payment. We know these things. Uh, and as hard as we struggle against knowing them, I think we just know them. And there's nothing we can do about it. The story has to feel real. The character we are in the story has to feel genuine to ourselves. And to people, the relationships that we're in have to uh, uh, involve something that feels real. How often I have heard or even said, uh, why are we going out with these people it's just an evening. It has no meaning. And you end up uh, talking 
uh, trash or talking about things that have no value and no essence. Uh, somebody called me today, uh, a guy I value as a friend, and I'm not going to go into the particulars, but I have to call him a little later. It's going to be a difficult call for me to make because I don't feel we're communicating in a genuine way at all. Certainly, I don't know how to respond to what he gives me, uh, which is a kind of a monologue about things I may or may not be interested in, uh, but I don't, I, and I've been pretending to be interested, uh, pretending because I know that if I don't handle it correctly, if I don't reach him on some genuine level, uh, the relationship is going to rupture and the relationship is going to end. And the truth of the matter is, at this point, um, what's going on with myself, I don't have the energy and I don't have the desire to carry on any relationship that uh, doesn't contain some kind of a meaningful interaction so that it enhances the creative story uh, that I'm trying to finish my life with uh, rather than uh, a performance in which we smile at each other and we talk to each other and everything goes like two ships in the night. We just pass without any kind of real meaning or real uh, um, uh, 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 feeling and any kind of real connection. And I do think when he called me today, he wanted something, see? And I didn't ask him, what is it that you really want? Uh, I was put off. Uh, I was hiding from him. And that is the absolute truth, and he was hiding from me. Uh, although, at this moment, and again, I don't mean to make a contest of it, I think he hides from himself a hell of a lot more than at this moment I'm hiding from myself. So uh, we'll have to work that out, and I'll have to see what happens, because in any event, uh, I'm really not uh, able to continue some of these relationships. It's interesting where I live now. I should talk a little about that for anybody who's interested. I'm in a, uh, what's called an active senior community, a gated community here in Florida. And there's some really wonderful people here. And we're, most of us are retired. And I am now confronting the great burden of retirement. The first couple of years when I was playing constant tennis, when my life was like summer camp, uh, I didn't have to travel uh, on the highways and byways of New York. Uh, I didn't have to endure two rush hours a day. Uh, the relief of all of that uh, was so great that I didn't think about anything untoward or, un or uncomfortable related to my retirement. Fortunately, uh, money is not a great issue. Uh, my wife and I can economically get by. Uh, unless there's some kind of a massive inflation, but that will wreck the entire country. We'll all go down with that. But um, in, the, in recent years, I've been lying to myself. The last year or so, I'm lying to myself about not having a professional involvement. Just this weekend, I sent out a resume to somebody uh, who hired a cousin of mine uh, in a mental health clinic. I never thought I'd want to go back to a mental health clinic. I see these places as, as horrendous. Talk about lies. Uh, the whole clinic is built on the lie 
that the people there have something wrong with them medically. Uh, almost all of these people now are drugged by what are called the psychopharmacologists. Uh, these pathetic excuses for psychiatrists who can't even uh, do an interview any longer or are never trained to do an interview, who don't look at a real person but look at a series of behaviors they call symptoms and then try to drug them uh, out of existence, drug those behaviors out of existence. Horrible, horrible place, uh, most of these clinics. Um, although uh, I was told that this particular person who hired my uh, it's actually my wife's cousin, uh, as a psychiatrist, wants to create a psychotherapy program. I mean, so I sent my resume that I would be delighted to try, and I would. This would be something. Uh, but I have to feel, and as I sit around the card table watching people play canasta, and some of them, it does seem to be as real and meaningful as, as my most meaningful relationships and my most meaningful years uh, helping people, uh, being a therapist, uh, I put that in quotes, or being a teacher uh, and working uh, in, in the service of other people and myself uh, while trying to develop psychological truths uh, that would help my story and the story of those who uh, wanted to learn from me. Uh, and I look at this and I can't, I, I can't even pretend after two hours of trying to play some of these card games, one exception, I can play bridge. And that uh, gives me a stomach ache because I'm not that good a bridge player. I really don't look ahead. But there is a genuine intellectual and emotional challenge there that I enjoy. But we have these evenings of playing canasta in which I could take a gun and blow my brains out. Um, and yet for some, it seems to be genuine. Although, I, again, it's not my place to ask them do you really feel that playing cards day after day, night after night, is as meaningful an activity? Is this the story that you saw your life moving towards? Is this to be your final end? Uh, incredible. So when you, when you begin to look at the kind of lies and the, and the depth of these stories we tell ourselves that we know not to be true, that we take all this energy in creating truths uh, that uh, uh, on the deepest level we know to be falsehoods um, and what that can do to you and thus to, to, to everyone around you. Um, how do you know you're lying? I, again, I say you know, but there are certain tip-offs. Whenever you say, I shouldn't feel something, uh, it means you do feel it. You do. And uh, that's a tip-off. Uh, I'm not feeling guilty because I shouldn't feel guilty. I'm not feeling ashamed because I shouldn't feel ashamed. Or somebody says to you, you shouldn't feel ashamed of what you did. Uh, you shouldn't feel guilty. You shouldn't be afraid. Uh, men are given an awful lot of uh, abuse that they will deny fear. Uh, it's what makes so many of us uh, good soldiers. That, uh, And again, I'm not uh, trying to demean people who uh, genuinely want to support and help their country or defend their country. But so much of, of being a warrior uh, is a denial of fear. Uh, I shouldn't feel this because it makes me a coward or it makes me a sissy or it does something uh, uh, to my image of myself that makes me too ashamed uh, to accept that I am afraid. At 
again, like all realities, to deny fear, to deny pain, is to bring on the very thing that what is afraid of. If you're afraid to die and you do things in the face of death, uh, you increase the probability of dying. So I shouldn't feel shouldn't be part of anybody's vocabulary. It's I either feel or I don't feel. And if I feel, at least to myself, in my own story, in my own private space, I have to find a place that says I accept the fact that I feel this way. No matter how disgusting or awful or wrong others or even I feel that this feeling or emotion happens to be. If I'm attracted sexually to someone I'm not supposed to, uh, and the attraction is there, then I have to act not to act on the attraction, but not to say I don't feel it, so I'm going to hide this. Um, uh, I recently talked to somebody who has breast cancer and uh, felt something a year earlier and said, no, it's nothing. Uh, I know somebody who died of colon cancer, had all kinds of symptoms. In fact, two people who fit this uh, and, and knew, didn't go to the doctor because they were afraid of getting the bad news. And when the symptoms first started, it was very, very probable, very good probability that either they would have been cured or they would still be alive even if uh, some of their life had been compromised by having to live with a colostomy or live in some way that they really didn't want to have to live with. Uh, but the denial of that fear, the denial of the possibility of something that they knew, they knew, I mean, after it was all over, they said they knew, uh, led only to a, a disaster for them, for their families, for their loved ones, for everybody that was involved uh, in this, in this uh, performance in this performance of I'm not sick, there's really nothing wrong with me. So, uh, to sum up, because I don't think I'm going to go 40 minutes today, I have to answer some phone calls. Uh, my wife just came home, and I'd like to have a chat with her about certain things. Uh, but the, the uh, bound line is, uh, as Aristotle said, or was it Socrates? Socrates said to thine own self be true. You must, oh, that's Shakespeare. Uh, but you have to be true to yourself. You have to uh, come to grips, at least privately, uh, with all of the feelings and all of the truths that you experience in your relationships. Because to live with phony friends, to live a phony life and a phony job, it might get you by. It keeps us alive, and, which is no small thing. I would never make fun of that. The problem is that there is no peace. There is no inner serenity. There is always a struggle to put up another barrier, another lie, another pretext, another performance that doesn't feel real for ourselves or others in order to get rid of these feelings. I truly don't believe there can be love unless we can admit that we hate. Uh, I don't feel we can ever be comfortable unless we could admit that we're uncomfortable. I don't think we could feel a genuine pride in ourselves unless we could admit uh, to all of the guilts and shames that every one of us carries around since childhood, some of which need to be aired in the, fact, in the light of, of the fact that they were established in childhood based upon someone else's truth 
which if we could examine, we would now know uh, was their truth that was a, a falsehood because as children we accept certain truths uh, that um, later on we discover are not truths. Uh, we force ourselves to believe in God because as children we accepted God uh, and, and our parents demanded it. We accept that uh, our sexual feelings are not what they are. I love my sister, I love my brother, when deep down <laughs> we wish they weren't there. Uh, and I'm not talking about going out and hurting your brother or sister. But if there's no love, there can be no peace if what we do is deny that we dislike them, that we don't enjoy them. I mean, I could go on and on with this in so many different directions. Parents who look at their children, three, four children, and insist they love them all the same and all equally. That's bullshit. Um, you know as a child that you were the favorite or some of the, one of your siblings was the favorite. And if you ever tried to get your parent to admit the truth, they came down on your head. And therefore you had to pretend that you were loved. And this creates a distortion that doesn't allow genuine love to exist. You see? Um, and I, I do believe this to be so. Uh, we have to be able to look and say, that's my favorite child or grandchild. Uh, I, I, that that uh, the way I feel about this person is not the way I feel about that person. Uh, I know people who, everybody is their best friend. And from my point of view, they have no friends. To have a friend requires an enormous effort of time and energy to be really involved in someone's life. Doesn't it appear to you the same way? If you have 400 friends, can you give all 400 what they need from you? Unless, of course, they're not friends, they're acquaintances. And your acquaintances are called friends. And everybody puts on an act uh, about deep friendship. Uh, I don't think you betray real friends behind their back. And so much of what we call friendship is betrayal. When they walk out of the room, we all talk about them. Oh, I love them, but... Uh, it's painful to deal with the truth. In fact, I forgot to say on my last show, we call truth the brutal truth, and we call lies little white lies. Uh, I think in the end, it's the lies that become brutal, and the truth that becomes lily and white. So, I see I have one guest, guest, what is it, 2450? Uh, I'm glad you were with me for this time. Um, I hope you'll tell your friends if you like this particular episode. Uh, I hope you'll give it a five uh, after we hang up so that uh, more people, I, I find that if you get a nice rating from somebody, uh, but not unless it's a genuine feeling. You don't do it for me. Okay, I think that's enough. Um, I'll see what I do about next week. Next week, I'll have to think of another show, but it has to come out of me genuine, and I have to feel it uh, in my gut. Uh, otherwise, there's no point in just spraying a little more hot air uh, on the uh, Internet where there is already so much unbelievable amounts of hot air to be found. Thank you for listening. Thank you to those who will be listening. And this is Dr. Simon signing off for today.